This is week three of the Circle Maker. It's a, it's a great series that we're in. Uh, really, it's about prayer. Um, and the reason we're doing this is we want to cultivate a culture of prayer in our church. Like what we mean by that is we want, we want this to be known as a church that can seek God and ask God for things and know that he's going to respond, he's going to answer. So we're going to review a little bit what we've talked about so far. So part one, we said God is asking us the question, what do you want from me? Over and over, when he performs miracles, he actually wants to know what the person wants. And so, um, what do you want for, for you? What do you want God to do for you? Was kind of the question the first week. Because everybody needs a miracle at some point, and uh, we need to learn how to ask. And so we said drawing, drawing prayer circles starts with discerning what God wants and what God wills. And so we talked about the way to find that out is you read the Bible, and make church a priority, make sure you're in a church that, that teaches and challenges you, and then join a small group. Those are ways that you can really discern what God has for your life and how he wants to, to lead you. And so we said, don't just read the Bible, start circling the promises, don't just make a wish, make a list of goals, and then don't just pray, keep a prayer journal so you can track that. Um, so I challenge you guys to do that. I've been, you know, on my phone, I have my notes. I, uh, I use that for my journal, so I, every day I'll go and write, and I go back and pray through this, the prayers I've been praying for this, this time. Um, and I, I, I prayed some really bold prayers and uh, kind of asked God to do some incredible things um, through, the, through the grove, through my life. And I believe he's going to. He already is, but I believe he's going to do more. And so last week, that was part one. Last week was part two. Robert did a great job, challenged us to dream big. Um, and he said this. He says, a big dream is a dream that requires a miracle. And so God wants us to dream these kind of dreams. Throughout the Bible, when people that he used, they, they had these big obstacles, big things in front of them, and they were able to accomplish great things because it was God that was helping them through that. And last week's key principle was if you don't take the risk, you forfeit the miracle. If you're not willing to take out and take a risk, you, you miss out on what God wants to do. Um, and so we said circle makers are, are risk takers. Um, and if you have a promise, take the risk. Don't be afraid to, to go after it and seek God for it and for the, for the success and help, let him help you. And so today, part three, we're going to talk about praying hard. Uh, so part three is about praying hard. Uh, I'm going to start off by just telling you a little story, um, kind of an illustration. We, my wife and I took our oldest son uh, a few months ago, about five months ago. We took him to this, uh, this indoor uh, remote control um, racing track just down the road at Cerrito. Some of you guys have been there. It's this, this toys um, I forget the name of the, the Super Toys. Yeah, awesome, great, great, great little um, store. If you ever been there, take your kids. It's pretty fun. So I took my son and we went in and and um, and the owner he was kind of showing us all the different remote control you know planes and the cars and there's a track and so he let us race on the track a little bit with one of the cars. And this car they let my son play with it went 60 miles an hour and that was with the governor like. Um, that was the fastest he could go because he put the governor on because really it can go like 150, which is ridiculous, right? These little remote control cars. And so we're like, okay, so these are pretty cool. How much do these cost? And so he's telling us how much they cost. You know, they start an inexpensive one, like one, 140, and it goes up to like, you know, thousands of dollars. I'm like, man, it's like a real car you're buying, but it's a little version of it, small. And so we, we, we went and hung out and, and played, and, and he was just enjoying it. And so he, we go and look at the different cars that he had on sale, and he's like, I want that one. Um, and, and the owner explained to us, like, these cars are pretty cool because if you ran in, run into the wall, you know, you break a little part, you can order that part, you can replace it, and it's, it's, a, it's like a hobby car, so you can always be fixing it if you ever, if you ever break it. Well, I like that part uh, because over the years, my son's nine, over the years, he's probably owned maybe eight or nine different remote control things, uh, vehicles, cars, planes, and almost all of them are broken or they don't work. Like, they just go out. And the thing is, you can't fix them. They're not, they're not made to be, to be fixed. And so when he told me that, I was like, Joaquin, this would be what you need. Like, this is the, you should save your money for this. And so he was like, I, I want to buy this one, Dad. I'm going to save my money for it. And so uh, he, he got this, this in, his, in his mind that he's going to save his money for this. 
So I, I did the math. If we, you know, all the remote controls that were given him or bought um, cost more, all of them, than this car would cost if he saved up his money. And so uh, he's, he, he starts this process of, of starting to save the money and, and, and get there. And there's a part of me, oh, his first remote control car, Christmas Day, he pulls it out of the package, starts playing with it. It's a pretty, pretty cool car. And we're at our cousin's, uh, my, my in-law's house, and, and one of our cousins steps back and steps on the wheel. And, you know, so he plays it for about 10 minutes, and then it gets broken. And I try to fix it, unfixable. So I remember that first experience, like, this is horrible. And so he told me you could fix it. I'm like, this is the car we need, um, or truck, whatever he buys. And um, so in this process, he's saving his money. For the last few months, he's been kind of putting his money together. And, and two months ago, a little before Christmas, he went to the store, and he saw this remote control car that he couldn't afford. In fact, it was way less than what he already saved. He's like, Dad, I could buy that, and I could buy a Lego set, and I could buy this. And he's like, I should go for it. And I'm like, no, Joaquin, don't do it. Don't settle for that one. We know what happens to those ones. Like, they're not going to last. They're not going to be good. Don't settle, Joaquin. Don't settle. And there's a part of me as a dad, like, I want to bail him out and be like, here, here's the rest of the money. You know, you've done pretty good. He's about halfway right now, which is pretty awesome. And uh, he sells, he makes his bracelets and sells them to his friends. He's a business guy. He's like starting like his own business at school. It's pretty cool. Um, and he's in this process of trying to earn this money. And there's a part of me that wants to bail him out and just give him the money. But then there's other part of me. I think the, the like the wise father is saying, no, I, he needs to learn this lesson because there's a ton of lessons in this, right? Like you can start thinking like, man, if he can save the money, when he gets that car, he's going to be like, this is my car. And like his friends just start fooling around with it. He's like, hey, no, guys, stop fooling around. Like I paid a lot of money for that car. He's going to respect it more. He's going to take care of it more. It's, it's going to be his. And if I can let him, if he can be persistent enough to keep pushing through to earn the money to do that, it's going to mean so much more to him. He's going to treasure it more. And really praying is really about not giving up. It's the same idea of what he's trying to accomplish of getting this. He has this goal. He has this, this dream and he wants to accomplish and, and he's, he's working towards it. Prayer is the same thing. It, it, it takes us to not give up. And, and I'll give you an example like this. So today, praying hard, is, it's really about the persistent quotient, the persistent quotient. See, in standardized, standardized math tests, Japanese children always, they consistently score higher than the American counterparts. Like in their same classes, the same grades. The Japanese, they, they do better in math. Um, and so while people have assumed that they just have a proclivity towards mathematics, that, that, that might be the primary difference, researchers, that, researchers actually discovered it's something different. Like they went in and they did this research with, with first graders with these math and these puzzles and these problems. And really their goal was not to see who was better at math. Their goal was to see who would be able to last longer, who would be able to take more time to solve these problems. Because it wasn't like who's going to you know, solve these problems faster or whatever. It was just who, what's going to take. And so the researchers were interested in whether or not the children could solve the puzzle. They just wanted to see how long before they gave up. And so this is what researchers concluded, that the difference in math scores might have less to do with intelligent quotient and more to do with persistent quotient. So the Japanese first graders, they simply tried harder. That's what the, that's what the research showed. American children, on average, lasted 9.47 minutes on a problem. The Japanese children lasted 13.93 minutes. So in other words, the Japanese children tried more than 40% longer than their American counterpart. So isn't it a, now it's not a wonder why they scored higher in their math test. They just pushed through until they could figure it out. They didn't settle. So I'm trying to teach my son, don't settle for what is, is available right now and maybe easier and cheaper. Don't settle for that when you can have something that's going to last and it's going to be better. Well, I think in, in maybe in the American culture, maybe we've had that mentality for too long that we settle. 
that we get in this mode of like, I'm just going to, it's in front of me, I'm just going to go for it. I know it's not the best, but I'm going to settle for it because it's, it's, it's available now. And I want it now. And so instead of waiting and being persistent and, and trusting and, and, and being patient, we jump in and we go too fast. You know, today is Valentine's Day. People joke about it. Single Awareness Day, right? Any singles in the house? Proud singles, all right? A couple of proud singles, yeah. Single Awareness Day, they, they tease, right? Well, and, and sometimes when I think in American culture, even even when the dating the dating phase and the relationship, it's easy to settle. Like, well, they're available, and that's not really what I was praying for, what I was hoping for, but I'm going to settle. Or God to say, no, don't settle. Pray hard. And pray. If you're single, be praying for your future spouse. Be praying for that person God has for you. Because prayer works. I'll tell you, prayer works. I got what I wanted because I prayed for my wife um, when I was young. I, somebody told me that. They, they said, hey, you're young, but it's not too early to start praying. Pray specifically for those things. And I prayed, and God gave me the things I prayed for, and better and more. It's awesome. So we, we just encourage you guys, be, be, um, be praying, seeking God for that. Don't settle. That's, I guess that's the challenge of, of what we're talking about, praying hard. It's really about being persistent, not settling, not stopping. There's another um, research they did that, that they found um, with some violinists. So some researchers from uh, Anders Ericsson and his colleagues at Ber- um, Berlin's Elite Academy of Music, they did a study with musicians, and they had the professors then figure all this out and help. And, and so they, they separated these violinists into three groups. All right? The first group was um, the, the elite uh, world-class soloists, uh, the good violinists, like they were part of the orchestras, professionals, and then those who, who wouldn't necessarily play professionally but would become teachers, like really good teachers that taught you know, really well. And so they had these in a really, good, really well-known um, school of music. They, they broke them into these three categories, and they said, why, what makes them separate? Like why are these guys so good? Is it they're born that way? And this is what they found. As they began to do the, the research and, and study and, and learn, they found that they all pretty much started playing around the same time, at a young age at the same time. Um, but by the age of 20, these three different groups had put in more practice and more playing time than, than, than the other groups. And this is what they found. They, they found that by the age 20, the average players, they logged about 4,000 hours of practice. So they started about four or so. And, and um, at eight, age eight, the average players just kept doing their hour of practice all the time. At age eight, the good violinists and the elite performers bumped it up an extra half hour to an hour. And then when they're in the teenage years, the elite performers bumped theirs up even longer. And so when they found with age of 20, average players logged 4,000. The good violinists, they logged about 8,000. And the elite performers set a standard with 10,000 hours. So it, it, this study also does, it shows that it's not, there's the difference in standardized math scores, um, it's, it's not just with math and being persistent in math, but it's in all things. It, it goes across all different kinds of spheres of our, of our society, our culture, of professions. So the, 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 these, these groups were um, kind of – they, they studied and found this. In fact, neurologist Daniel um, – this is what he says. Daniel Levitin says, The emerging picture from such studies is that 10,000 hours, is, is 10, hours of practice is required to achieve level of mastery associated with being a world-class expert in anything. He continues on and says this, In study after study of composers, basketball players, fiction writers, ice skaters, concert pianists, chess players, master criminals, and what you have, this number have come up over and again, up again and again. No one has yet found a case in which true world-class expertise was accomplished in less time. It seems that it takes the brain that long to assimilate all that it needs to know to achieve true mastery. So it's not a shortcut to be successful is what this study says. It takes time. And even when we, sometimes in American culture, we see the overnight successes, we think like, oh, wow, those, those people are amazing. 
If you do the research, they've actually logged the 10,000. We're just now seeing the benefit and seeing them show the benefit of all that time they put in. So when it comes to prayer, uh, is prayer any different? I mean, the idea is not you just keep praying and praying and logging the time, but it's, it's being persistent. It's being able to keep going forward. In fact, when it comes to prayer, the bigger the dream you have, the harder, you, the harder you'll have to pray. The more kids you have, the harder you'll have to pray. Right? Because you want all your kids to be successful, it's going to take more prayer. The bigger the dream you have, the more you're going to have to pray. It's, there's going to be a, an element to it where it's a habit that has to be cultivated. It's a discipline that has to be developed, a skill that we have to practice. Um, and it's not just reducing it to putting time in just to kind of get through, but it's really the idea that um, the bigger our dream, the harder we have to pray, the more we put in. In fact, the Bible talks about this very thing. Jesus tells us this story, this parable in Luke. He always tells these stories, um, and, and in this story, he's telling about prayer. And it says that one day in Luke 18, 1 through 5, it says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. So this story is about praying and never giving up. And this is what this story says. There was a judge in a certain city, Jesus said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. So he didn't fear God. He didn't care about people. Right? It's an important, important fact there. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God and I don't care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. So you can see this, this persistent widow. It's called the persistent widow, this story. She says, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Can you imagine every, every day, you know, she sits on the road, waits for the judge to walk to the courthouse, says, hey, judge, you're going to give me justice today? I need justice today. And he's like, oh, man, this lady, she's, she won't stop. And the way home, you know, judge, you give me justice today. Maybe she has an appointment during the day. Judge, I need, I need justice today. Maybe 100 days, 200 days. I don't know how long it took. But you can just imagine this woman every single day. Judge, would you give me justice? I want justice for my enemies. Would you give me justice? It doesn't say what happened. We don't know what took place. But she wanted justice. She kept coming and coming. And the judge said, she is wearing me out. And Jesus tells a story to compare it to prayer, how we should pray. The same way the, the, that widow, percent of widow goes to the judge over and over, God, Jesus is saying, go to God over and over with your needs and don't stop. Be, be persistent. Keep going. Don't give in. Don't settle for what you have when you can have so much more. Don't stop. Because praying hard is about praying through. And if you pray through, God will come through. That's one of the big things we're trying to get you to think, to learn is this, it's not just about praying about things. It's about praying through things. It's not just saying one-time prayer, but it's saying, God, these are the promises that you have for me. I want to I keep moving forward. See, God gives us a picture of, Jesus gives a picture of prayer in Scripture. It shows um, what it looks like. You don't stop. You keep knocking, you keep knocking, you keep knocking until your, your knuckles get tired. You know, you keep, you keep crying out to God until you begin to lose your voice. That's what praying hard is. That's what being persistent is. And you keep praying until God answers to show you're serious. Um, when it comes to uh, miracles and when it comes to seeking God for things, a lot of times the greatest miracles often hap- happen within us before others can actually see it. See, God wants to do something in us. I don't want my son to settle uh, because it's, we're, we're trying to help build something into him. And we get that with my son. It's pretty. I don't know why it's easy to see like, well, yeah, that's, that's important. Your son should learn to save money and to earn that, and uh, he's going to learn a lot of lessons. But the exact same thing applies to us today. Like there are things we're saying, God, would you give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, 
And God is saying, he's not actually saying no, but there's a pause there, maybe a wait, maybe not yet. And part of it, he's trying to do the exact same thing in us is he's trying to develop character, trying to develop integrity, trying to develop purpose, trying to develop understanding, maybe management. And there's a principle in the Bible that says when you manage well with a little bit, God will give you more to manage. And see, all of us want the more, but a lot of times we're actually doing the managing of the little very good. We can't expect the more if we're not managing the little. It's the principle. So sometimes the greatest miracles often happen within first before, we, before others can see it. I have a pastor friend, one of my mentors. He told me a story when he was when one of the churches he was at. They were struggling financially. His family was struggling financially. He was having a difficult time. And he was really frustrated because he, he, he knew God called him to be a pastor and, and things weren't working out. And so he, he, he told me, I went and prayed, prayed and asked God, God, why is this happening? You said you'll provide. You said you'll take care of us. And it's not happening. Like, I'm getting ready to quit and all this. And he said God actually showed him his ledger, like his financial statement. And this is what God told him. He said, Carl, here's what I've given you, and here's what you spent. Here's what I've given you, here's what you've needed, and here's the leftover that you could have had to do even more than, than you really had. And he said, it's not that you need more, it's that you need to learn to manage what I've given you already. And he said it was kind of punched to the gut because he knew it was the truth. He was frustrated that God wouldn't give him more, but he was, he was undercutting a principle that God had put in place that says, if you can't manage with a little, you can't expect the more. See, we want to pray for those things, but sometimes it's actually God is trying to teach us how to be good stewards of what he's given us now to prepare for what we have. The relationships we have now, are we honoring? Are we being good stewards? The finances that we have now, are we honoring and being good stewards of those? If we're not, man, then, then he's not going to get It's going to take time for us to become better managers. So there, there's some different things that keep us from, some, from seeing the miracles in our lives. One is sin. Sin is just, it's, it's doing the opposite of what God has. It's, it's, it has for our lives. It's missing the mark. It's, it's, it's walking away from him. And what sin does is it actually puts a, a wedge between us and God. In fact, when, I, I can attest to myself. Whenever things aren't right in my life, I stop praying. And the, the enemy loves that because conversation is cut off. Sin actually keeps us from praying because we want to ignore God because something's not right. We don't want to address it. Right? Something happens um, and we don't want to address it, so we just ignore. Well, sin keeps us from praying keeps us from seeing the things that God has in our lives. Pride, the unwillingness to lay aside our agenda. We want it, right? It's, 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 it's my way or no way. Well, it's pride. And sometimes pride gets in the way of us seeking God and praying through and praying hard. Other times, selfishness. We want what we want more than wanting what God wants for us. Well, I want this and I want it now. And he's got to say, no, it's not good. It's like my son. I mean, part of him is saying, I, want, I just want what I want now. Let's go buy the cheaper car. No, Joaquin, you can't settle. Don't settle. Be persistent. Keep saving. Keep saving. It's going to be way better. That car goes 150 miles an hour. I don't know how what, we're going to take that to race that, but it's going to be awesome. When it happens, we'll take a picture and some video to show you guys. And then management. A lot of times it's a management issue. We are seeking God, and the greatest miracle God can actually do is in our hearts first. Like We want the healings. We want the finances. We want the healthy relationships, and, and those are important. God wants them for us also. But if our hearts don't change... We actually won't manage those very good. I mean, you can look at people that win the lottery. The, 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 the amount of people that are bankrupt within a short period of time is astronomical. It's, it's ridiculous. Why? Because they never manage this well. How are they going to manage all that well? Right? It happens. It, it's, it's, it's a lack. Of, we, don't, we can't manage. So the, the key is, God, change my heart to be able to manage here. And the greatest miracle God can sometimes do is, is change in our heart to say, hey, you're missing it in your relationships here. 
You're missing it here with your employees. You're missing it here with your employer. You're missing it here with your kids. And if he can change our heart, we can begin to make these better things. So we want the, the fix it, solve it all right now. Sometimes those are our prayers. I say, no, pray hard for those things that you really want. But would you begin to live it out? Would you begin to manage well? Keep seeking. Learn to be better stewards, better managers. See, in the, in the Lord's Prayer, when it comes to praying hard, um, Jesus, the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. And he gives them this, this pathway. You know, it's about relationship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Well, at the end of that, there's this, this last sentence says, for yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory. And what I love about that part is, is the last sentence actually summarizes the whole Lord's Prayer. Like that is the structure of the Lord's Prayer. It starts off with kingdom, right? We're acknowledging kingdom. This is what God wants. He wants us to, when we pray, we come and say, all right, God, in the middle of what I'm facing, going through, I need your perspective. I need your help because it's about your kingdom. And then we ask him for things. You know, give us our daily bread. Forgive us. It's about your power to do these things. Like it's you stepping in and helping us with our needs. And a lot of times the very things that we need, like we can't, we can't do it by our own strength. But when God steps in and does it, we, we acknowledge him and we give him the glory. You know, Robert had me stand up last week and was talking about the grove and, and this, this, this dream in my heart that's been there for years to plant a church. You know, we celebrated a little bit, sincerely to myself, of the work that's been put in. But the truth is, I don't get any of the credit for this. I, didn't, I didn't, wasn't able to orchestrate all the details that came together. I was just a willing person that said, God, I want to do the best I can with what you put in front of me. I want to manage well. Give me wisdom to do that. And he, he's, he's blessed us. But as a church, I didn't go knock on all the doors of the churches that, that gave us finances to help start this. I, I didn't even recruit all the people that prayed for us. We had 200 people praying for us for the last two years. That's amazing. From all across the country, they said, we'll stand with you in prayer because we know starting a church is really hard. So we're going to pray with you. Even some of those people, I didn't have to recruit them. They, they, they volunteered. They, they were part of it because God put these things together, and he gets the credit. Our, uh, I'm very proud of our team today. We have, we have some people in Mexico. Robert and Lori uh, went to Arizona. They, they had a funeral they had to go to, and uh, uh, some of our team members had to work today. So a lot of our team, you know, some of our team was, was, uh, was out and about doing good stuff, uh, things that are important. And we had other team members that came early and stepped in and filled in. So proud of our team. You know, what God is doing here is not built on, on one or two people or a few people. It's, it's a team of a lot of people who are sacrificing, saying, let's work together to accomplish something big. And what's great about that is not any of us get the credit. Only God can get the credit because only God can bring these people. Um, I, talking about praying hard and praying, I met a couple uh, last two weeks ago. They're, they just moved to Santa Fe from California. Uh, they're going to plant a church in Santa Fe. Um, and I didn't tell them at the time, but they're an answer to my prayer. Because for years I've been saying, God, would you send people to Santa Fe to start churches to reach the lost? And use our church, yes, but would you send more workers? Would you send, my prayer for our church is, God, would you send us the experienced people we need to be able to reach more people? Let's tap in. When they told me they came, I was so excited they're coming to start a church. I said, you're an answer to our prayer. It's about praying hard, it's about keep going. And here's the thing, when, when we pray hard prayers and big prayers and we dream big, God gets the credit. We can't get the credit, and God loves that. Throughout the miracles in the Bible, you'll see when the big miracles happen, the people that didn't couldn't get the, mir- the credit for it. It's like God wanted to make sure he under- we understood, I am working behind the scenes doing something beyond what you could ever imagine and dream. And praying hard is seeking God for that and then giving him the credit when he deserves it. So what God is doing in the grove is pretty awesome. He gets all the credit, and we look forward to seeing more. In fact, February 28th, let me just go on the record to say everything from February 28th on, God gets all the credit for. 
because I'm dreaming big. Our team is, is praying big. There's, there's, this is not an accident. We were doing this series before we take this step of faith to say, God, help us to reach more. Help us to do more than we've ever done before. Like, I'm dreaming and believing in the city of Santa Fe, we'll see things that have never, ever happened before. There are thousands of people that don't go to church in our city. But let me say it again. In our county, there is over 100 and, I'm going to say, 30,000 people that are unchurched in our county. For me, that's not acceptable. They're looking at all these other kind of things, politics. Um, they look at the media to find out what is success, what is hope. And none of those things ever deliver. But I know the person who does deliver, God, his son, Jesus. And so we want, we want to connect people to him and say, hey, there's a better way for you. And that's our heart. So it's unacceptable. So we're, we're saying, God, you get the credit because you're about to do something amazing and great. And we want to step out of the way and let you do it. In, 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 the, in the Bible, there are more than 3,000 promises in scriptures. More than 3,000 promises. And because Jesus died on that cross, those promises are available to us today. So reading the Bible... You know, it's one of the ways to learn about those promises. It's one of the ways to get through the Bible. You read through it. But praying the Bible is how you get the Bible through you. And that's, I think, really what the goal is of the Bible is. It's, it's not just a book you read. It's a book you should be praying. It's a book you should be believing in the promises for. The Bible has good stuff for our lives. There's a promise in, in Jeremiah that says, I've, I have plans to give you a hope and a future. And that's a great promise to stand on. When you're in a bleak situation and you're like, this is not good, there's a promise that says, God, you said you're giving me a hope and a future. Would you help us see that hope? Help me to order my life and manage my life so I can see that hope. We stand on those promises. Financial, finance, there's, there's financial promises to help you to succeed in life. He wants you to seek him for wisdom to manage. But there's also beyond that to say, God, can we be a blessing? Let me be a blessing so I can bless others. That was the whole reason he blessed Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you a ton, Abraham, but it's not just for you. It's so you can be a blessing to the world. God wants us to be a blessing to people around us. We need to manage first. So in the Bible, because of praying hard, here's the thing is 100% of prayers we don't pray won't get answered. A lot of times we give up. We think, well, I prayed for that and God never answered, so I just thought he said no. But maybe the no really wasn't a no. Maybe it was an ellipsis. Maybe it was the dot, dot, dot. It was the pause. It was the refrain. It was the wait. Because God has good things for us. But sometimes it's going to take time. It doesn't happen all, all right away. So don't, don't let whatever's between you, um, whatever's stopping you from your dream, whatever obstacle it is, don't put that between you and God. Because then the obstacle is going to look really big and God's going to look really small. Rather, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying and say, God, help me with this. And invite God to the center. And what happens is God begins to eclipse the obstacle because he's in front. He's in the center and no, the obstacle no longer looks that big. Praying hard is saying, God, I'm going to believe you for this. I'm going to seek you for these things. I need your help. Invite God to that. And help, ask him to help you to, 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 over, to overshadow that, that, that problem or that challenge or that obstacle that you have in front of you. So don't, don't put a period, you know, where maybe there should be a comma because God didn't, hasn't finished speaking yet. Don't give up. Maybe you have family members that are far from God. Maybe you have family members that are, that are, that are addicted or, or struggle or uh, whatever that they're going through. Don't stop praying. Keep praying. Like the persistent widow, keep, widow, keep coming to God saying, God, I need you. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to tell you about a, a five-year miracle. I, I should actually say it took five years to see the miracle come about um, in our time. I have, a, I have a really good pastor friend, uh, friends, the Fulfers. They pastor in Portales, and uh, his church is one of the churches in Mexico with our church. and Just great relationship. When they got married, 
they're married for a few years, and they wanted to start to have kids. And uh, they, they tried to have kids over and over, and nothing's working. So they went to the, the doctor and went and found out that they said it's impossible for you to have kids. It's not going to ever happen. Like, you guys together, this, this is not going to work. Um, so just, you know, maybe adoption, maybe something else. So for years, they began to pray and say, God, you know, we want to have kids. It's a desire you put in my heart. It's, you know, she began to work that her, that her and Callie, and they began to pray and ask God for, for just a miracle. And then about five years after praying for five years over and over and over, seeking God for this, uh, one of our, one of another, another Christian came to them and said, hey, I think God wants me to tell you something. I don't know the situation, um, but I think he wants you just to have a kid. Um, and sure enough, that year they get pregnant. Um, and so what took them five years of, of, of being barren, not having any kids, they end up having five kids, right? So kind of got a sense of humor, like, all right, you're praying. I'm going to give you five kids for those five years that you never had kids. They keep inviting us to join the five-kid club. We're like, I don't know. The four-kid club is kind of cool. So we're comfortable with the four-kid club. I think we might stay here. But, but they're, they're five kids. They, they kind of just laugh and joke like, hey, man, those are the five years that we were barren, and we kept seeking God, and now we have five kids to show he's faithful. And what, it, what, what shouldn't have happened happened because of a miracle. No other way to explain it. Doctor after doctor, it's not possible. You can't do it. And then, bam, five kids. I'm like, wow, that's... When God shows up, he shows up in a big way. And this is the thing. God wants to do that in our lives. He wants to show up because he, 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 he likes to show off. He does. Because when he shows off, he gets the glory. Other people begin to realize, oh, wow, he's pretty powerful. He's pretty big. He's pretty strong. He's, he's good to you. Like, I want some of that. And they begin to see good stuff in our life. They say, why is your life so good and mine's so screwed up? You could say, well, it's nothing I do. It's God changed my heart and God showed up. And God gets the credit. He loves that because then we point people back to him because he gets the credit. So don't give up. Don't settle for less when you can have more. When I mean by more is I mean better, the best ever. So here's our challenge for today, and we're going to close. Pray the Bible. Don't just read the Bible. Pray the Bible. Like this week, circle the promises. As you read through, circle those promises. Uh, SOAP, I've taught, we've taught this before. Maybe just a little easy application for you is when you read the Bible, the S stands for Scripture. The O stands for observation, the A stands for application, and the, and the P stands for pray. Pray those things. So I'll, I'll just give you an example. If you don't have a, you know, maybe at work, at school, whatever, you, you don't always maybe carry a Bible, you don't have a Bible with you. There's an app you can get called Version on your phone, and every day it gives you a, a verse of the day. Or you can read the day, you know, a section of, of um, the Bible every day to read through the whole year. Like today, Version, the, the verse is John 15, 13. It says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. That's a pretty good verse. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. So what I would do is I would read that in the context. I would say, all right, so 13, let's read a little before it, a little after it. Um, Jesus says, I have told you these things that you will find, you'll be filled with joy. Guess your joy will overflow. So he's telling them, like, these are going to happen in the future. Like, you're going to be really excited when these things come about. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Because there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. So, you know, if that's all the time I had, that's a great scripture to read. And then we, we see the scripture, we observe what's taking place. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's saying that if you, if, you love, if, if you love each other, this is my command, love each other the same way I loved you. There's no greater way to, than lay down your life for your friends. You observe it, then you find the application. All right, God, you're asking me to love others. So that's not always easy, right? You bump into those people that just sometimes are unlovable. They, they suck the life out of you. They just make you upset. Well, then you'd pray that. And you'd say, God, help me to love. 
Help me to love others. Help me to love the same way you loved me. Help me to love those people. Help me to see the way you see. Help me, help me to love my, my wife that way, my, my, my friends, my, my, my kids, my employer, my employees. And you invite God. That's praying the Bible. And there's promises that come with it. I no, look, I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. You're now my friends. That's a promise. Well, we're no longer slaves, slaves to sin. We're, we're now friends of God. God, I'm going to do this because I'm a friend of you. I'm representing you. Does that make sense? So don't just read the Bible. Pray the Bible. It's not as difficult sometimes as we make it. There's thousands of promises in there. Seek God. Say, God, this is one of the promises for me. You're not feeling good. There's promise in the Bible for healing. God died on the cross and took those stripes on his back so we could be healed, the Bible says. By his stripes, we're healed. When you're sick, we can stand in those promises saying, God, your word says we can come to you for healing. I need healing. And then you keep asking and you keep, keep knocking. So for most of this service, I've talked to Christians today. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, maybe you're just visiting the first time here, we want to say welcome, we're glad you're here. Our challenge to you is that you would begin to experience the same God and the same power and the same love that we have as Christians, as, as Christ followers, people that follow Christ's example. And what we do every week is we give opportunities to those that maybe have walked away from God or maybe have never had a relationship with God or are far from God. We give you an opportunity just to say today, and I don't want to settle anymore. I want to make a step towards better and more of what God has for my life. And, and you're here today, and it's not an accident. God brought you here to hear some of the things I've said for the future. But, but more than that, to, to let you know that he cares for you and he loves you. And he has a good plan for your future. He has a good plan for your life. Even if the doctor said it's not going to work, he can change that. Even if the past has been really bad, the future can be bright. So what we do at the end of service, we give an opportunity for people to respond to say, okay, I don't want to settle anymore. So I'm trying to teach my son not to settle, to be persistent, to keep pushing through. Well, God is trying to do the same thing. That's what this is all about. It points back to the cross. God sending his son saying, I'm going to give you a way out of the suffering and of the addictions and of the sin so you can find freedom, you can find a better, a better future and a better life. So do me a favor. You're here today. Would you, everybody, would you close your eyes? Give an opportunity for those that are here that want to respond. I've talked about a lot of good things, but it has to start with a step of faith where here today, you're here today, and you say, okay, I want to give God a chance to lead my life. I don't want to settle anymore. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I won't make you come down to the front. I'll just lead you in a prayer where you're at. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? I don't want to settle. I'm far from God. I need God. I want God's help. Cool. For you guys, for you all that raised your hand, I'm leading a prayer. It's a simple prayer. It's, an, it's a relationship, an invitation to relationship. So the Bible says that if, if we confess our sins, it means that we say, God, we've, we've settled. We've let go. We've ran from you. We've gone the other way. And it says if we repent, we turn from those things and we walk towards God. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If we believe in our heart that, God, that he died on that cross and was raised from the grave, and we'll have salvation. So it's just a simple prayer of just inviting God to lead us and lead our life. So if you raise your hand, would you pray this? If any of you want to pray it with us that are Christ followers, encourage them. Would you pray it with me? Just say this. Say, Father God, today I ask you 
to come into my life. Help me. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me for settling for less than your best. Today, I believe you're alive. I believe you died on that cross for me. And I want new life. I want a new start. So I invite you to lead me and guide me. Be God in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.